Hi, this is Paul Siegel. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and youtube.com slash wanderingdms slash live. And now, on with the show. Hi everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan, and on this episode of Wandering DMs, we have Julian Burnick and Bob Brinkman, who are members of the Goodman Games team, and they're writers and word wizards, is what we're told. And they're here today to talk about the giant Dungeon uh, Crawl Classics Dying Earth box set, which is now on Kickstarter and smashing all kinds of records. Uh, we are, Julian and Bob, we are so happy to have you on today. We are huge fans of Jack Vance's Dying Earth series. We are huge fans of DCC, so we just had to hear about this. Thanks for being on today. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. You know, I'll just you know, I guess we didn't have a chance uh, pre-show, but uh, we have done a show on uh, DCC here on Wandering DMs in the past. Uh, our good friend Max ran a two-year uh, campaign uh, using DCC, actually, and of course uh, Joseph Goodman. Um, scored extra points because uh, we're actually listed in Appendix O. I'm actually listed in Appendix O of the core, the core DCC's rule book, so I always have a fond spot for that. Um, maybe we can... <laughs> flattery will get you everywhere. So uh, maybe we can get started by, you know, I have loved the works of Jack Vance forever, and of course, our viewers are already going to know how incredibly influential Jack Vance was to other writers like... Michael Moorcock and Neil Gaiman and George R. R. Martin and all and on and on, and how influential his stuff was for Dungeons and Dragons, because of course Gygax just ripped off the the spell uh, model uh, from Jack Vance's Dying Earth. So I'm wondering, like maybe for you guys, you can tell us like your background when you first discovered Vance and when you were reading him and what else you were doing at that time. Julian, you want to? Yeah, I'll go. We'll, we'll take an alphabetical order since we uh, we we do that all the time, Burnick and Brinkman. Um, so uh, I actually came a little later in life to Vance. Uh, I was a long time ago. I was on some mailing list for uh, highfalutin fantasy literature, and Jack Vance was on the list for good reason. And uh, and I hadn't ever read this uh, his stuff at all. And about twenty this is about twenty years ago or something, and. Uh, I, I read Galactic Effectuator by Vance, which is like a sci-fi detective novel. Um, I didn't really care for it very much, to tell you the truth. I didn't get it at the time. It was so it was stiff and mannered and so on. But anyway, at some point in the DCC era, I began, uh, and it was actually still before that, but later in life, I, I, I kept hearing Dying Earth, Dying Earth, and I sat down and read it and was completely blown away. And, you know, so this was about 15 years ago, I would think. And uh, and I've just been, you know, semi-obsessed since then. So, I, I you know, I was I was not a kid when I read the books. I was, uh, you know, 35 or whatever. But, um, you know, made a, made a big impact. And then I voraciously started devouring Vance. Uh, you know, all his sci-fi, Game Reach, Demon Princes, Leoness. And, uh, but I've obviously returned to the Dying Earth again and again and then in the last few years again and again and again so uh which has been, has been a labor of love awesome 
and if you if for if for me, you know, I discovered Vance almost the same time that I started gaming back in the, the days of the little brown books. Um, and you know, I was already reading like Liber and Niven because I was kind of a precocious reader as a as a kid. And when I discovered Vance, it was it was Dying Earth that I had started reading and I think I, I read, I think, probably the, the first collection and uh, really enjoyed it. And then I didn't really hit more advanced until I was in college. And I think by that point, I was already a huge fan of, of Lovecraft and his florid verbosity. And so coming coming to Vance, it was just this this wonderful patterning of words that really drew me in. Sure, some of the words don't exist, but you can get them out of context, and it really adds to that alien feel to to the world of the Dying Earth. And that was between that and uh, Dying Earth and Last Castle, I think, was the majority of Vance that I had read until more recently. As a matter of fact, I've got um, I'm getting ready to start the Grey Prince, right? So I still haven't read all of Vance's work, but like Julian, of course, you, it was a wonderful opportunity to work on dying earth and then we had to completely you know submerse ourselves in dying earth for the past three or four years i, I wonder when you're when you're working on product then do you do you try to evoke some of that that style that that language do, do you find your own writing getting invaded by the voice of vance you have to you, you have to um Having having worked on both DCC Lankmar and now DCC Dying Earth, that's really that's part of the remit, right? Is you've got to be able to try and evoke that voice, yeah. because fans of Jack Vance don't want to read Brinkman; they want to read Vance, and that's the feel <laughs> they're looking for. Um, and it, I've it can be a little tough. I when I when I look at you know, my my initial drafts, and I'm trying to kind of punch up the Vance feel, and then I look at what Julian's done, we're like, well, okay, so Julian got it first time through. I see how it's going to be. We have, no, among I... the team, we discuss whether whether Julian speaks Vancian or Vance wrote in Bernickian. I'm not really <laughs> No. Well, I, 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 do, I do like his circuitous phrasing sometimes, it's true, but um, I think that might be a slightly overstated, but... Um, we, we definitely made and continue to still make, even as we're kind of getting into the final stages of playtesting and, and going through the editing and stuff like that that we're doing now. Um, I, I think it's fair to say, Bob, we, you know, we made a real conscious choice to try to evoke the style of Vance. So it's, we could have written it in a very util purely utilitarian way. And uh, that's, a, that's a choice, and it has pros and cons, you know. But we, we took a different path to say, you know, we want this, we want the writing of this product to evoke Vance. And uh, so that is what, you know, uh, users are going to get. Well, and also then when someone goes to run it, you know, the, the more of the feel of Vance that we put into the material, the easier it is for them to evoke that feel because it's already there to deliver to their players. And, Very you know, some people may or may not be, you know, as, as comfortable with being that florid. And so if it's there, especially in things like read aloud text, I think it's very important, but it's also important to have it in just portions for the judge so that they continue to have that feel because just, just having that is going to help them you know, raise the level of their game. 
that's that's great. I can I can see that you can almost like the the reader gets to practice being in that world with that kind of stuff. Let me ask this. You know, so there was a there was a point in the '80s where like lots and lots of rule books were written. Like the the rule book was written in care like in a character's voice. Like I am um, uh, Ed Greenwood's wizard. Now all of a sudden I'm forgetting his name. Something like that. And so is are, are your books written like in a character or is it just like where it's rules text and it just happens to be talking like Jack Vancewood? Yeah, and then in the beginning of our product, uh, Kugel actually slits Elminster's throat in a true dying earth fashion. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay, sorry. Um, there is not, Bob, keep me honest, please, but I don't think we, we directly have a, that kind of, we don't have a narrative stretch of any of the, that's not really a Goodman thing in our products generally. Okay. Okay. Um, but, but we wanted to evoke the style just, just as Bob said, to kind of get characters and judges into the mood and, and, and in Dying Earth, it's really important because it's not purely, um, you know, style points, right? But part of the reason Jack Vance wrote the way he did in Dying Earth especially was because people of low morals doing very bad things were constantly superficially glossing over their very low-life actions with these highfalutin words, right? I mean, it was, you know, uh, and it was really sort of to gloss over the fact that they were just act being scumbags, essentially, um, over and over. They over-civilized and under-moralized people, generally. Um, so so you want to bring, you know, I think that's part, part of it is bringing that to the surface, that, that there's a lot of morally um, questionable stuff in the literature, to put it lightly. People are very self-interested, and they are very fatalistic. You know, the, the planet is about to be swallowed by a giant red sun or, or the, the great chill is about to begin or what have you. Um, and they've, you know, they're not planning ahead thinking about doing unto others at this point in many cases. That's a great, that's, that's a great take on that. Actually. That's lovely. That's, that's ugly, but it's like, it's, it's lovely. At the same <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, you know, sorry. Earth and animal, right. Both ugly and lovely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Let me ask this. So I'm wondering um, how uh, tightly um, connected is your Dying Earth box product to the Dungeon Crawl Classics core set? Like, do you need the DCC core rules? And if so, why? What, what attracted you to Dying Earth that you said, I need to connect this to, uh, to DCC? It definitely does require, you know, this is this is an expansion as opposed to a, a standalone game. So it does require the, the DCC core rules. And then for Dying Earth, we build from those rules. Those are our, our, our foundation because there's things for Dying Earth, like Vancean Magic. Vancean Magic doesn't exist in core DCC. It is, it is antithetical to the way wizards and elves work in DCC, but it is crucial right, for Dying Earth. And so, you know, rules for that and the way wizards can amplify magic, things like that, get built built on. Um, as as for, I think why, I Goodman Games and Dungeon Crawl Classics is so immersed in Appendix N to begin with that, of of course, something as as foundational as as Dying Earth is going to draw is going to draw the Goodman Games team, right? I mean, 
it's 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 what we do, <laughs> <laughs> and it's what we love. <laughs> and so there have been some really there's some really nice mechanics that have been added. I, I, uh, if you want to think, go ahead, Julian. So if you want to think a little bit about how a DCC core rules interact with dying earth rules, maybe just to give people a framework. In DCC, the, a lot of the core, the, the basic core rules of combat and so on are very simple, I think, for the most part, right? The, the, the slightly trickier stuff and the really um, place where the rules sing and are unique is in the class rules, like the deed dice for warriors and the special magic system for wizards and elves and the thief, the luck dice for thieves and the luck spending and all that stuff. And, and so the core rules, which are very simple kind of engine, are pretty much the same for Dying Earth, but again, it's the Dying Earth-specific classes where most of the mechanics are. So that sort of engine is is very similar, but of course, the magician, as Bob is saying, is very is quite different than the wizard because you have fancy and magic and and so on and so on. So that, so that, so you've got magic. So I think you have four new classes, is what I'm being told. But one of them being magician. So do you have um, do, do do you strike out stuff in Dying Earth? Like so, you mentioned that you know the the core rules for elves and wizards work very differently. Do do you, are you still allowed to use them in Dying Earth, or or is it what stuff is, are, got cut out from DCC for Dying sure. Earth? Um. Much, much like when uh, Michael Curtis did did Lankmar, we approached Dying Earth from the uh, from the viewpoint of if you want to play a pure Dying Earth game, just truly pure to the literary setting, you can. But you can also, if you want to have you know an elf that has fallen through time and space that is in the Dying Earth, that is certainly compatible. Everything from core DCC works in Dying Earth, and and vice versa. It's just that some stuff is setting specific under normal circumstances. But again, you you can take to your table what you want to take to your table in DCC. I mean, that's sort of the end all beat all. So there's no DCC yeah, police that come around and 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 break, break down, but kick down your door and and. Uh... <laughs> and well, you know, I've heard, I've heard tale of uh, Joseph wandering the streets in a domino mask, but I haven't actually seen it happen. So. <laughs> But there's also, say, there's also things Sorry. in uh, DCC Dying Earth that I think people are going to want to bring to their, their regular DCC table. Um, you know, the fact that you can customize spells. You know, in, in Dying Earth, that's, that's a very big thing. You know, named spells. This is, this is my version of a spell. And so there's mechanics in Dying Earth so that you can take existing spells and your character can research them and modify them and customize them to, to themselves. Nice. And I think that mechanic is going to interest anybody. And it's a lot easier than the old AD&D spell research rules from back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly. And, and, to, and to Bob's point, the, the, um, it, it, some people will want to run a very literary Dying Earth, you know, sandbox thing with appropriate classes and so on. Other people will use it as a toolbox. There's 40 new spells. There's a bunch of new Vantian monsters, the same ones you read about Deodons and Herbs and Grues and so forth. And then there's uh, artifacts of the Dying Earth, the same ones from the books, and there's patrons, and there's all that stuff. And that can be mixed and matched straight into, you know, regular core DCC or MCC or what have you. I mean, some people, DCC has a 
a big following of people who are intensely creative and blend all kinds of stuff together in different ways. So I'm sure people will use half, you know, half the setting or mix and match whatever they want. And that's all great. You know, um, you know, that's up to judges, how, however they want to implement that stuff. Maybe you guys can tell us about like a couple of your, your favorite spells or magic items. And I'm kind of curious about whether I'm about to recognize them from D and D or they're going to be something that just blows my mind. What, what were a couple of the favorite things that you included in this set? Yeah, I gotta say, I really enjoyed it for, for me, one of the things that I worked on the most or that I most enjoyed was I got to work on Bruce and you know, that was that was just so great. I mean, from from Dying Earth Grooves to Infocoms, it is dark, and you are likely to be eaten by a wandering brew. Been eaten by uh, several brews over my <laughs> lifetime. Yeah, having, having that opportunity was was a lot of fun. Um, also, as a as a uh, patron, I got to work on on Kron, who will uh, will steal and boil your brain, and I got to work on some uh, some curses for the witch class. And I think that DCC curses are already are, are underused in the core book, and so being able to to expand on that and bring that to a to a player character level was a lot of fun because it, it's it's different magic. Awesome. I, I would uh, yeah, I would say for my own sake, um, I think the spells really stand out. I worked some on the excellent prismatic spray, and. Uh, that you know, that's a lot of fun. Sort of a obviously a, a forerunner magic missile, um, but not only does it you know shoot and automatically you know hit your targets and stuff in a traditional way that we're used to, but there's SD, escalating effects per the DCC version of magic missile, but also uh, uh, you it has a prismatic spray a la the seventh level old AD and D spell, so you can get different effects at higher levels of fire and ice and so forth, and sometimes random, sometimes I think chosen and all that stuff. Um, additionally, I think the one that really sticks in my mind because it's so um, gruesome is uh, Fandal's Gyrator that actually lifts targets up and uh, rotates them, or rather, uh, which I always get confused rotates or revolves them anyway um and you know the more you, the more uh the higher level you memorize the spell at of course because it's rote magic as a magician you can do it with more targets you can spin them faster and faster and of course ultimately you can run them into objects or themselves if you've got i mean it just gets like yeah you know and it's uh, and you can sort of see um you can sort of imagine, I was just going over some of uh, the end of Eyes of the Overworld the other day, and you can imagine Ayakanu, the laughing magician, threatening people with that, you know, uh, the way he does with Forlorn Insistment and some of that stuff. Um, the spells were a blast, you know, just because the titles are so resonant and funny to even uh, work with. Did you and, and that's the thing when you when you ask about, you know, are you going to recognize these spells? If you're a Dying Earth fan, you're going to recognize every single spell in there because we worked from a foundation of Jack Vance was, was very sparse on detail, but very big on, on, you know, general names. And so we're not out there creating new spells. We're filling in the blanks okay. of the spells okay. that he was talking about to begin with. So, so did you stat up for Lorne and Sisman? And if so, what level is it? 
I know actually I know that spell I know that spell has been written up. I just don't remember which level spell that was because uh, I didn't yes. work on that. I uh, I'm sorry I don't I don't know the level right offhand, but it's there. I, I'm ninety nine. <laughs> not yeah. fine. No, it's I not a, it's I not a first my colleague. Spell. It's not no. fine. You should know this. Yeah. It is. It is not. It is not. There's a lot of. There's a lot of magic. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Uh, out, so for players of D and D, I think that that was the the forlorn insistment was the uh, inspiration for what Gygax called the imprisonment spell in AD and D. Um, uh, but of course, uh, uh, DCC spells have 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 so much more detail. When we were playing DCC for a couple of years, I feel like that's the main thing that you know that you're playing DCC is the fact that the magic is unpredictable and there's a, a, an escalating series of possible results that are kind of always surprising. Like if you're not the player looking at the page, if someone else casts a spell, I was basically always surprised by what the effect was and could never predict what it was going to be, which is a really wonderful thing about DCC and feels, I can imagine, feels dangerous in the context of Dying Earth. And, and high-level magic gets dangerous. Um, yeah. With one of the other projects I've been been working on with Goodman Games, the uh, Crypt of the Devil Lich, that's, that's you know, seventh-level characters. And we've actually encountered things where, okay, um, someone rolled a maximum result, and we're in a dungeon as opposed to outside. So we're going to call it a draw, since you destroyed both the dungeon and the party. We'll just call that a draw. <laughs> <but it's laughs> um, so, so, yeah, DCC magic has kind of that that edge to it where you're not really sure what's going to happen until it happens and then it can be dangerous but in dying earth with rote magic you've got more control over it but you have but there's more limitations to what you can do with it because of that um so for and some people don't really care for the swinginess of the magic system in in dcc and i i totally get that and dying earth approaches it from a very non-swingy fashion with the new spellcasting rules. So I think that's that's uh, an important difference. Cool. You know, it's interesting, Bob, because to your point, if 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 you had players who were a judge judges who were put off by the core DCC magic system, you could you freely adapt the dying earth system into your core DCC campaign, right? It, it wouldn't be a big, you know, the magician class would might be a little more similar to the classic AD and D magic user, you know, if, if they, if they preferred that kind of thing. Um, but we should mention that some of the core randomness is still there. Um, mm -hmm. The road magic is, is really nicely designed where the, at first level, the uh, magician rolls to see what result of a spell he memorizes, he or she, of course, and then they, um, and then the magician memorizes at that result. But there are a few things you can do to boost your result in play, uh, minorly at first level, right? Starting up pretty small. But then every subsequent at subsequent levels, you can choose to relearn the spell. So if you get a crappy result at first level, you're not stuck with a crappy result forever. But there's you're still using sort of an ascending level of of effects. But you can but you're basically memorizing it one way to really kind of mimic the Vancey and magic thing. So it's it's nicely kind of overlaid onto the core magic system of DCC, but still it supplies that rote magic we expect from Vance. Yeah. That's great. 
I'm glad to hear that. You know, one of the things that I, you know, really fell in love with uh, with Jack Vance's magic system is in the the very first uh, story, Turgeon of Mirror. And it's funny because just a couple pages in, uh, the mentor describes what magic is like, and basically out and out says it's mathematics. And as a as a professor of math, I was immediately like, well, this is this is my story. <laughs> so I kind of like, I honestly, I, I kind of like the feel of it be feeling like a formula that's a little bit more predictable than maybe core DCC, as a matter of fact. So I'm kind of happy to hear that you made that that happen for Dying Earth. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I think, uh, well, I, you know, hey, that's, that was a core, uh, that's a core precept of the, of the books. And we, you know, that just has to, that's in the design. Well, then, you know, people might be looking at, at the magician and the fact that spells are memorized and are thus much more limited in casting than, than a wizard. And right. so on the face of it, they might think that the magician is, is vastly underpowered as, as opposed to an elf or a wizard. But the magician also has force of will. And so force of will allows them to directly affect a lot of things as, as, a, secondary, as a secondary magical power, just by channeling their, their will through magic. And so there's, a, there's definitely a balance point. I would say that, yes, in a, in a straight-up spell duel of spell versus spell, a wizard's going to come up on top. But a magician's not going to sit there and just go spell on spell. He's going to do other things. And so it, it really balances out pretty nicely. None of the classes are underpowered as opposed to the others. Here's a question. Yeah, you, and so I, it, it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot this out. So in, in, um, in Vance's works, I think he said he has a fairly, the, the magicians have a fairly limited number of spells they can memorize, like, like maybe just four or so. Whereas if you look at like classic original D&D, a top level um, magic user can have dozens, like maybe 36 spells is the, the top one you see. So in, in, in your product, how many spells is a magician memorizing at their, at their top level? At their top level, I'm not sure. I mean, at, at, at first level, I think players of, of old school D&D, the magician's definitely gonna feel more like an old school magic user in that, you're going to be memorizing like you know, three or four spells. Um, but again, where in, in DCC, for example, if you want to initiate a spell duel to counter a spell, you have to, you have to cast a spell, whereas a magician can use force of just straight up force of will to try and counter magic. So there is, there's less, there's less um, direct magic available to be cast in a, in a day. Uh, which is which is truly Vancean, but there's still a lot of flexibility. Cool. And you, and you know, how you um, sorry, no, you you do know a, a fair amount of spells, which is uh, and it's boosted by your intelligence modifier. I want to say, Bob. I think, I think so. But uh, but yeah, but it, you know, but it escalates. I mean, I think it will. It will. Uh, look a little familiar to players of AD and D, but um but of course the you know it has this thing that's been scrupulously tried tailored to Vance instead of kind of you know uh subtly ripped off from Vance <laughs> as per the, the mid seventies, you know, kind of way. 
Yeah, one of our one of our viewers, uh, Joshua, is saying uh, he's he's remembering that Mazirian is one of the most powerful magicians, and he can hold six spells in his in his head. So for for me, bouncing between like AD and D and Vance was like, I wonder, I wonder how what the what the um, thesis is for this for this adjustment. Actually, so that's interesting here. Yeah, and I, I actually just since the question came up, I, I checked, and I would say that a tenth level magician is going to be more powerful in in uh, game terms. Um, okay. Because they, they they need to be right for uh, for in enjoyment and playability. If you yeah. make it to level ten, which in all the time I've been playing, I never have, mind you. But uh, if you make the level ten, the max the max number is, I believe, fourteen. So you know, and and then you can have. Um, formidable spells, spells that can be uh, memorized without risking your sanity. And that's a, that's a lower number. So you know, if you want to play it safe, then it would be 10. But uh, we'll so, so you are going to find that magicians in DCC Dying Earth are going to be a little bit more powerful in terms of memorized spells. But that's really... That, that's to keep things fun as opposed to just purely... And you can always, of course, just tell your magicians, no, you can't have that many spells. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for looking that up. Actually, that was that was one of my top questions. Actually, that and that makes sense to me. That feels like a but. That honestly feels like a like a, a number that because like there's. I always go back to the psychological principle of like seven plus or minus two is about what people can literally in the real world remember at once. So making it double than that seems like a legitimate, legitimately large number of things for a person to remember in their head. Well, and it also then enhances the the feel, right? In, in DCC, since wizards can cast and cast and cast and cast, right? Um, magic, while while powerful, is is treated very casually by by wizards because they have this power; they simply use it. Where magicians truly, you know, in Dying Earth, they they hoard that knowledge, they hoard that power. And and players are going to treat it in a similar fashion, especially at lower levels. I only have this many spells. I'm not just going to use them at random. I'm going to let the Wayfarer run forward and get stabbed a lot, and then I'm going to stand back and laugh. Or or my army of bat things. Yes. Okay. Tell us about tell us about those. So uh, <laughs> the um, you know the, the the class of that thing caught my attention. I don't know what a wayfarer is. What are those? Well, a wayfarer, a kugel is a wayfarer. Right? That is uh, that is that is the class uh, created around around uh, that that particular character, and they have they have luck abilities, but they also can steal luck, looting from the party, because okay. that is exactly the sort of thing kugel would do if he could just literally steal luck. He would screw the party so that he could do well, uh, and that things. Vat things have their own kind of subclass. So there's different types of vat things have different specialties. Um, there's there's martial vat things, which really are kind of the kind of the fighter type. There's paragons who are you know, more skill related, but they're they're sort of a uh, a jack of most trades, master of none character class. Yeah, and, and, and thinking. Like- I was going to just say, think in terms of like Tassais and Tassain, right? In the in the first stories of the of the Dying Earth uh, collection, right? The, they're the artificial people um, that uh, Tur- Turgeon meets, right? Is it? I think that's Turgeon in those first stories. 
and he makes one, right? I think he meets one and makes another. If I get that, or maybe I got that. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, exactly right. And 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 many wizards are trying to create life in their vats, and you know, it's kind of an ongoing theme. So. Um, yeah, that is that class. They are the sort of uh, weird Frankenstein creatures that wizards are creating, and they have a and maintain a link to their creators. And and actually, um, in in DCC Dying Earth, that link is represented um, in 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 normal DCC. Of course, there is there's rules for patrons, and uh, a magician you know can in, or a wizard can invoke a patron. And for VAT things, they can invoke their creator, and so oh. they can they can reach out across that connection, and their creator may or may not assist them. But at at high levels, the the create the highest level, the creator can actually reach out and copy the the life patterns of of their associates. And so, should one of them die, they might be cloned. Uh, that things also have in, in DCC, of course, if you're actually dead, there's still the roll the body luck check. And if they fail, that things get a second one to awaken in a fresh body in their creator's vats and can oh. then eventually return to play. Not immediately, but they can eventually return to play. Um, and I, I really enjoy that particular mechanic. And, and that things can also use magic. They're not as, as uh, well versed as a magician, but they can use magic. I love how they return that little little shade of, uh, of of the paranoia game there with uh, with your your character is six clones, which you're probably going to need. <laughs> quite possibly, quite possibly. <laughs> I like that a lot. We had a um, we had a, a, Paul. I don't know if you can see the question from Stephen a couple minutes ago. Um, uh, I think it's like about four four questions back, and I think we might know the answer, but maybe we should get it from the horse's mouth. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> asks here, are, are there Sandersons? If I'm saying that yes. right out loud correctly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there absolutely are, and uh, they. Uh, there is a system for summoning and uh, controlling them um, with the uh, indenture points. I think is the term, if I recall correctly. I haven't. Uh, I haven't played that very much, Bob. I don't know if you have more. I I haven't. That's that's an area that I haven't I haven't been involved in the the playtest for that, those particular mechanics. Uh, but they are there, and uh, much like in in Dying Earth themselves, it's sort of like being handed a grenade with a pin pulled. Uh, <laughs> it's it's useful, and they can be very useful. But if they go off when you're not ready. Bad things can happen. Fun for all. Is that is that a playable class, or is that uh, just somebody that you summon? No. Uh, that, okay. that would be something you summon, yeah. The, the playable classes are Magician, Wayfarer, the Vat Thing, and the Witch. What is a witch now, and where does that come from in Vance? Well, uh, the witch is, comes... Good. Uh, is specifically, it's in uh, Leanne the Wayfarer, the story in Dying Earth. I, I know it's in, and I think it, there's another reference in one of the other stories in Dying Earth, if I recall. But in Leanne the Wayfarer, um, Leanne, here's, Leanne is kind of a Kugel-type character who's walking around with some new loot that he's got, and he finds out that there's a beautiful witch that lives down in the meadow, and uh, 
he goes to uh, make some time with her and um, and gets into a lot of trouble with Chun the Unavoidable. Uh, one, one, of, one of Vance's great stories, I think. Uh, very compact and, and a short piece, but um, but the witch is, you know, kind of, in a way, almost the central character because she's sort of actually controlling uh, things behind the scenes a little bit in terms of... Leanne, Leanne thinks he's the, the uh, protagonist of that story, but actually he's really not. He's, he's sort of being manipulated all the way around. Well, and, and witches, witches are are given a lot of mention in in uh, the stories in Dying Earth, even when they're not central. And so, for the for the character class, you know, witches have infernal pacts. They are you know, they are certainly connected to a to a DCC patron level you know, creature. And so, they have among their spells is Insqualmament, which allows the casting of curses. And they can they can. Uh, in some ways, they, they sort of replace the cleric in that they can heal, but they do that by stealing vitality from one creature and giving it to another or giving it to themselves. And so they can, they can sacrifice creatures to, to their, to their uh, infernal patron to bank spellburn points for their casting. Uh, There's certainly some real dark flavor to the witch and... Uh, I, and I I, re, I greatly enjoy that. It's you know the the DCC ethos, right? You're no hero. You're you're a reaver, cuppers, etc. But with the witch, it's you're not really a nice person, which is sort of the ethos of dying earth in general. But uh, yeah, oh oh, someone someone's badly injured. Well, you know the the wayfarer is doing pretty good, and the magician's nearly dead. Here, hold still. <laughs> <laughs> it's the character you know none of the character classes can trust one another right they they all <laughs> they all have their own hooks that they're in it for themselves someone's injured more people should be injured <laughs> we should we should spread the herd around <laughs> uh, you know one of the questions i was going to ask was do you do, i mean do clerics do standard dcc clerics have a place in dying earth or are those like you're playing by the book, should we not use them? So they're they're not they're not, of course, written up in the Dying Earth system, right? But DCC clerics can be brought to the Dying Earth. However, there is a section that discusses the fact of the you know your god might already be dead, and so that really puts a damper on things. Uh, but you you can bring a cleric in, whether or not they're still going to. To be quite you know, recognizable as who they were, you know, as they came from Earth to the Dying Earth is a is a different story, and there's there's actually right up in, in some mechanics on that. Fascinating. Let me follow up on the dead gods issue, which is which is fascinating because like I've seen debates online. Paul's smiling because this is a this is a this is a, a standard vein that we that we mine on the show actually. So I've seen debates about like we're, I'm talking literature here. Does, does Vance's dying earth have gods? And in places there are, there are priests, but I've seen debates online about whether the priests in dying earth actually have connections to gods or whether they're just charlatans um, pitching, pitching a con. Uh, what's, what's your guys feeling about that? So, well, I, there's, there's a chapter in, um, in uh, I think it's Eyes of the Overworld, where Kugel runs into a bunch of pilgrims, right? And uh, and he 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 
he travels with them and befriends them and, of course, rips them off and manipulates them in a fairly mild fashion through gambling and stuff for a, a leg of his journey where he's trying to get back to have his revenge. But then, but then he finds out the only way home is to cross the Silver Desert and you need at least 40 men to cross the desert. And the pilgrims happen to number at least 40 men, right? <laughs> and uh, and then, so what does he do? He go, the, the pilgrims are all there praying and bowing to their idol. They're at the end of their pilgrimage and he goes to the speaker of the idol and he says, can you, uh, hey, can you fake it so the idol tells these guys to go across the desert? I'll give you whatever he bribes them basically. And, uh, and so the, the idol speaks to the pilgrims and says, you must cross the Silver Desert. And, and Kugel brings these guys across the desert just so he can get across. And they all, of course, they all meet bad ends, um, every single one. And uh, needless to say, there's absolutely no divine retribution of any kind for anybody, including Kugel, who's done this all in the name of, of this pilgrimage. So, you know. I, I think the I think the reader is left to draw his own conclusion from that. Oh, I, I think that that in in any fantasy literature, much like the real world, it's sort of left up to the individual, right? You know, do do d does the Pope have a direct connection to an actual divine being, or are they just sort of sort of shuffling along and hoping we don't notice? It's the same sort of thing with any sort of priest in in the dying earth or in in the Lankmar setting. In most fantasy, at least in most old school appendix N fantasy, right. gods are right. not getting directly involved. So, you know, there there might be a prayer, something good might happen, but whether or not it's divine intervention, you don't know. It's not really until more recent fantasy where we have gods directly becoming involved in the in the affairs of men. I think that's a point that I've made yeah. a number of times on the show. Actually, is that uh, classic pulp literature? That inspired D and D. It's, it's the, the the present the the presence of gods is at least ambiguous, if not untrustworthy. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think um, generally speaking, um, I think generally speaking, the answer you know, starting with Lovecraft and Howard, is that gods um, at best exist and don't care about you, and and that goes south from there. Um, but you know there is there is a prominent author who no, uh, no matter what tight spot you find yourself, a giant eagle show up at the end and carry you to safety. So you know there's definitely there's definitely a different there's definitely a different worldview out there. But that's the by, a big minority, generally speaking. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that I'm glad that I'm glad that we're all in agreement with us. <laughs> right, Paul? We, we all agree yeah, with that. Um, yeah, yeah. We don't. Of course, of course you, you don't need that in your fantasy. <laughs> you know, before... It's all about to cut our mics. Is that smart? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Do not taunt. Do not taunt the tech lead. <laughs> just, just trying to, as as usual, try to coax Dan off the off the uh, soapbox here for a minute. Um, <laughs> uh, I'd like to actually shift the conversation a little bit uh, before we run out of time here and just talk about the Kickstarter that's running. Um, I'm wondering if one of you guys can just give us an overview of like what's what's been unlocked so far, what is on the immediate horizon that folks can uh, dive into the Kickstarter and help help us unlock. Uh, what, what's going on, Julian? You want to absolutely uh, dance while I pull it up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I, I so obviously we have. Let's just talk about the base first, yeah. right? So events, you know. So obviously we've got the box set. 
it's going to have three books, uh, you know, booklets basically inside it. So it's going to have, you know, all your new classes, monsters, spells, magic items, uh, geography, and, you know, how to play in the setting. And, I mean, when we talk about spells, we're talking 40 new spells. So this is already um, a pretty meaty um, thing. There's new patrons in it, which for DCC also mean more spells uh, as well. So this is, a, this is a pretty big, meaty type of offering on the level of our, uh, you know, Lankmar thing, I think, when you just talk about where we're starting from. Um, and it also includes, um, you know, then there's six uh, adventures uh, that are part of the, uh, I believe you can buy the box set with or without the adventures, right? So, uh, but as part of the offering in the Kickstarter, you get the, that you can buy the six uh, new adventures. And that's, so that's where we're at before we started with the stretch goals, right? Right. And then um, the majority of stretch goals are actually exclusive to the Kickstarter. So they'll be, they'll be put together. And uh, so let's see, we've got, we have unlocked three more spells, three more spells, more curses, more patrons, more artifacts, judges screen, a hundred adventure hooks, um, NPC stats, monster ecology and layers, a supplemental art folio, and a lot of people have been asking about that because oh, yeah. of the art. Um, a Sandestine demon folio, magicians' manses mapped out and statted, ready for use, right? Because that's that's a, a great thing to have. Um, spell librums that are pre-populated booklets of spells for the for the characters. Oh, I love um, that. More wizardly objurgation, which is uh, sort of takes the place of mercurial magics. Uh, then we've got a location guide for the Museum of Man and for uh, Cain, the White City. There's a new adventure, the Great Visp Hunt. Uh, another location for uh, Giant, the World of the Ark Vaults. Uh, and let's see. And then we've got. Uh, those are all unlocked. We've got two new adventures subject to be determined at 235 and 250. We're just right now under 230. And of course, if we break 250, there's there's more to come. Awesome. Amazing. Awesome. Amazing. Awesome. Awesome. So to our viewer, Stephen, there you go. If you want if, if you if you're interested in Sandistons, there's a whole folio just for that. So once once again, we deliver <laughs> our guests deliver on the Wandering DM show. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you want to help unlock some of those new um uh, yes, please do. Uh, we, you know, we don't have enough. Items. We haven't done enough writing yeah. in the dying earth yet. We, yeah, yeah. Uh, I posted the link to the chat to, directly to the Kickstarter folks. Check it out. Um, uh, and if you're watching the show know, afterwards, uh, we've got the link in the archive on YouTube, of course. Yep, of course. Yeah. What uh, I want to know, and I want to. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I want to. I, I do want to mention one thing because it's pretty special. Of those two new adventures yet to be realized in the Kickstarter. The last one, the final 251, is going to be by Errol Otis, if we can get there. So I, it, people probably know the name of Errol Otis, legendary adventurer, uh, writer, obviously TSR uh, artist back in the day, 79, 80, 81, and in the TSR era. And uh, he has agreed to do an adventure for DCC Dying Earth. He's a huge Dying Earth fan from... You know, from the 70s, he's done covers for our, our adventures, some of the art you can already see uh, on the show here. But uh, I'm super excited um, to have him writing an adventure for us and clearly doing the art for parts of that as well. So uh, I'm really plugging to hit that 250 mark. Uh, really, I really want that in my hot little hand. Sorry. 
Awesome. If there was one creator that I felt had actually been transported from the dying earth, I would pick Errol Otis. Um, and a, a wonderful talent and, you know, the product, um, uh, what is it, the, 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 the Ebony Tower obelisk, right? The Ebony obelisk? Is that the, uh, the thing he's got cover art for, I think? Um, just wonderful, wonderful stuff. So I would love to see that myself. And yeah, he's on that, uh, gentlemen. I do, I do need to uh, to make my ways, right. and, and I I apologize to the viewers that I have to leave a little bit early, but I'm I'm running off to do an interview of my own. So. We we knew this in advance. Yeah, Bob told us he's doing an interview at two, uh, and um, uh, good good luck with that. We're gonna we're gonna tell our viewers at the end exactly what Bob's doing because we don't <laughs> yeah, want them to jump ship right now. They can jump ship. Well, at you know, two. if they were to jump ship right now, they're, they're they're not gonna they're not gonna see anything, so they should Thank stay you. through the end. There you go. <laughs> uh, but thank you very much for, for having me on. I, I greatly enjoyed uh, being here, and uh, I look I look forward to to watching more episodes of the Wandering DMs. Awesome! Thank, thank you, you so, so much, Bob. That's fantastic. You bet. Now let's see if I can great, get a good pose. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you later. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. That's uh, that's high level guestmanship, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear, uh, Julian. What I was, what I, what I really wanted to ask, uh, selfishly, is: is there any chance that any of the books or any of the adventures include a detailed map of the interior of Iakanu's home? Because if I'm adventuring in Dying Earth, I definitely want to break into that place and steal some stuff. Um, well, uh, so yes, the um, so. Yes and um, yes and maybe I should say because we are doing magicians maps as one of the excuse me magicians manses as one of the uh, stretch goals. Now exactly what they look like and so on uh, is not determined, and whether Ayakanu is there is also not determined. But you know who else if not Ayakanu? I don't know. Yeah. I would I would hope uh, that would be on the list. Um, but, you know, so it's a little bit TBD, but definitely the magician's manses are one of the things we're statting out. So they may be a little bit generic, like you could drop it in and use it for Ayakanu, or they may be Ayakanu himself and Yildefonts the Perceptor and uh, the Peregrine Palace of, um, of uh, Vermulian, I believe, the Dreamwalker was his name. So there's so there's different wizards they, or uh, magicians they could draw on, but... Um, but there are going to be those manses that that can be used, um, and some more to come as we really get into finalizing it. Um, I, I gotta I gotta be honest, uh, <laughs> it surpassed our expectations, the enthusiasm uh, a little bit, and which is great, you know. And all of us wanted to do some more work here and get into it and dig in. So. Uh, the feedback's great. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think uh, Dying Earth fans are going to feel the same way, especially for Ayakanu more than most. So um, I think there's a good chance of that, that the exact stuff is is a little TBD is how that breaks out. Okay, great, great. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you know, I was what Bob told us about the uh, the art folio, I mean, that, that excited uh, me. We, we occasionally do actually an art in fantasy gaming episode here on Wandering DMs. Uh, my partner Isabel is a fine artist, so we get to kind of get her um, her uh, viewpoint on that. What uh, I mean, we are I'm a huge fan of the the art style in DCC all along, and one of the things that's occurred to me recently is you know new school role playing game art tends to 
glorify the player characters. Like the, a lot of the art tends to be glamour shots of everybody is clean and it looks like they smell nice and they've got good teeth. And old school gaming tended to have a little bit more player characters getting torn to bloody bits as a, as a regular theme of the art. And DCC has got that going, uh, which I which I love so much. Who, what other, I mean, Errol Otis, I've loved his work forever. What what other artists do you have uh, making uh, making material for the Dying Earth set? Um, so we have um, so first of all our cover that uh, looks like you're showing right now is is Doug Kovac. So he's the it's the overall um, I forget his exact title, you know, art director for Goodman Games Dying uh, DCC, of course, something like that. Um, overall spirit animal prophet, and uh, <laughs> you know if you know. If you know Doug, you know that he is a cult leader of all in all in his own right, and he brooks no uh, provulsions against um, the core religion. But um, but his his work on this is phenomenal. He's done this this cover, which I assume is going to be the box set cover, and then he's done some of the booklet covers as well. Um, and so, you know, his stuff I'm assuming is represented there as well as Errol Otis has done numerous covers. There are at least two or three of the adventure covers, plus the uh, the one or two of the booklets, I believe. And then um, San Julian, also from uh, I think he's Spanish, is represented, and uh, and Russ Nicholson has done at least one of the covers well, as well. I, you know, obviously people know Russ Nicholson from uh, Fiend Folio, Gith Yankee, and and such like that. Um, and uh, so those folks have all done uh, work with Goodman over the last few years and are well represented here. Um, there may be some other guys that come into the mix there as well. Um, I assume we'll have at least those three or four, but um, yeah, but I'm not too privy to the details there. That's a great, that's a, that's a powerful team. It's a powerful team. Of <laughs> yeah. Got going there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this stuff has been just knockout. I mean, I, I love that cover so much. I with, for when I think of the the work we're doing, I, that the colors of that cover just pop at me right away. Well put. That's that's fantastic. Uh, we are getting very close to the end of time here, Julian. So I just wanted to ask: uh, Is there any um, any last thoughts you wanted to share with us about Dying Earth, uh, or any any parts of the of the product that we haven't managed to get to, or anything you wanted to share with our audience? Um, hmm. you know, I, I, uh, that's a, that's a great question. I, th I think we've touched on the classes. We, you know, we touched on, uh, the spells, which are a big part of the setting. Um, we can, you know, talk about the Kickstarter stuff, you know, maybe one thing we haven't touched on, uh, that's an interesting feature, uh, that players of DCC will probably be familiar with would be the, what we're calling grudge tokens today. Now, one one thing we should have mentioned a little earlier was, um, you know, rules are still in playtest, and they are going to shift and change a little bit here and there. Um, but they're also far down the road, and I don't think, you know, the big core stuff is really going to change as much as we're still tweaking at the corners and stuff like that. Um, but today we're calling these things grudge tokens, and for those who are familiar with Fleeting Luck from our Lankmar set, um, grudge tokens are slightly you know, somewhat different implementation of a, a luck mechanic specific to Dying Earth. So uh, as opposed to Mojo and X-Crawl or Fleeting Luck and Lankmar, um, you get a grudge token when you roll a natural one and get a fumble effect. 
or when you, or when something really bad happens to your character, you might you might as a group get grudge tokens, or you might individually get a grudge token, and the grudge token represents your annoyance at the the fates, right? But you can spend these grudge tokens to force others to do a reroll, um, and. Uh, you can force other your colleague, you know, your other players at the table to do that, or even force the judge to do that. And I, I think, uh, and I, and I think one thing that's really nice about this mechanic is the it lets you play in a in a kind of paranoid PvP, very true to Dying Earth style, possibly where you can use these against the other players. Um, or, it, it, but it also lets you, if you want to play a traditional, more collaborative kind of D&D style game, um, the, you can also use them really to just go after your enemies and the bad guys and the boss at the end and that kind of stuff. And that's totally okay. Um, so, so it lets you pick your play style and it, and it really mimics the, the fancy and stuff. If you want to do a, you know, literary advanced style game, but also it, it lets you, uh, you know, do more traditional collaborative style as well. I love that. You know, uh, so, you know, Dying Earth, uh, just such a, such a great setting. I'm so glad you, you guys are rolling out. I mean, I'm going to get in one quick question from our viewer, Stephen, who wanted to ask you guys, is there any hope at all in the future for a DCC Lioness setting? Um, great question. Um, I know, of course, that uh, you may or may not be aware about the a game called... Uh, group called Design Mechanic. The Design Mechanic has just put out a setting for Leoness. Oh. Um, and uh, so you sh you can certainly look into that. I, you know, it's a whole separate IP, and I assume it's under contract with them. I, I'm not a lawyer, and nor am I privy to any of this really behind-the-scenes stuff, including the Dinerist stuff. I, I really don't know even any contractual stuff about that. But, <laughs> um, but the Lena stuff is out there, and uh, Design Mechanic, I think, does pretty neat stuff. So, you know, check that out. And uh, uh, I'm sure I'm not supposed to be shilling for them, but I'm a gamer. I love games. I, and, you know, I got no problem with that. So, and I love Leoness. I think it's one of Vance's absolute greatest works, too. And I think it would work in uh, DCC to some degree. Uh, but that's where we are with it today. Great. That's great information. Thanks. Excellent. Well, folks, uh, if you want to check out the DCC Kickstarter uh, for Dying Earth, uh, check out uh, the, the uh, description section of the video. There'll be a link right in there uh, where you can go and uh, uh, help help unlock those last couple of stretch goals. Um, I believe I'm looking at it. It looks like there's 10 days left as of the recording uh, of this show. So uh, go check it out and get on board while you can. Um, and uh, and leave some comments. Tell us, uh, you know, if, if you're watching this video after it's been released and the product is out, uh, uh, tell us tell us what you think and uh, um, and how how your games are going. Yeah, we want to hear that. Yeah. And if you're new to the Wondering DMs, remember that you can like, follow, and subscribe to us on a number of places like YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook and also GitHub. And we do have the handle Wandering DMs on all of those sites. So please look for us there. If you prefer to listen to our show in audio-only podcast format, you can get those at our website at wanderingdms.com, uh, also through various carriers such as Google Podcasts and iTunes and Spotify. If you're listening to this show from one of those sites, please take a moment to rate and review us there. That helps other users of that site uh, find us, and we really appreciate it.
We really do. Let's talk about upcoming shows just a little bit. So the reason why Bob had to uh, leave us a couple minutes early, actually, is that he, uh, Bob Brinkman and Jen Brinkman, at 2 p.m. Uh, today are interviewing John Vance on the Goodman Games Twitch channel. So immediately right after we get done here, please go to the Goodman Games channel and check out uh, Bob interviewing John Vance, which he was excited about and we were excited about hearing. So um, that's, uh, that's more great stuff on your Sunday here. Um, next week on Wandering DMs, we'll be back and we'll have a special guest, Peter Bebergall, who is the editor of a great, great book called Appendix N, mm. The Eldritch Roots of Dungeons and Dragons. And so uh, you heard us, uh, Bob mentioned Appendix N here, where the classic literature that inspired Gygax was, uh, inspired a lot of us. And if you happen to be, I love this book. I love this book so much. Um, it's, it's new in paperback this year. Um, and I, I just devoured this. So if you happen to be new to the classic pulp literature, there's intro stories from Jack Vance. The Turgeon of Mirror story that we talked about quite a bit today is in here. There's stories from Lovecraft. There's a story from Howard and a whole bunch of people that I had never read before. So I'm personally really looking forward to talking about to Peter uh, in one week's time about the Appendix, X, uh, Appendix N anthology, which is a wonderful, wonderful work. Now, Paul, uh, your 10 Dead Rats show is uh, changing the dates. Is that right? That's right. Uh, for viewers of 10 Dead Rats, I uh, may know that we've had some scheduling issues recently. Uh, going forward, we are going to actually be shifting the day of the week that that show appears on. So it will start to air on Mondays rather than Thursdays, still at the same time at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, that should be happening relatively soon. I don't think tomorrow, but but very soon. Uh, we'll announce more specifically over social media and uh, on, on the next uh, episode of 10 Dead Rats as well. Uh, so awesome. help, bear awesome. with us, everyone. Sorry for the for the 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 rocky start to season four, but uh, we'll we should get that uh, going very soon. Awesome. Some of us are very eager to see that, Paul. So I hope that I hope those I hope you get a regular regular schedule going soon. Uh, and as always, we got to give out a huge thanks to our patrons who support the Wandering DM show. Uh, we could not get the wonderful wonderful guests like we did today from Goodman Games and Peter next week and all kinds of stuff without your generous support. If you're in a position where you can join our generous patrons, please do go to patreon.com slash wanderingdms. See a couple different tiers there. And among the benefits, we have discounts on merch, access to a private Discord server, uh, monthly behind-the-scenes videos and polls and surveys of what we'd like to see on upcoming shows, and also after-party chat after every Sunday show, which will be happening in just a couple minutes' time, actually. Uh, you might want to keep one eye on the after-party chat if you're a patron, and then your other eye over on the Goodman Games Twitch channel to watch Bob and Jen interview John Vance here today. So a whole bunch of stuff. Very, very action-packed day here. Uh, <laughs> Paul and Julian. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Don't forget, we are, of course, uh, live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So we hope that you'll join us again next week. Julian, uh, thanks enormously to you and Bob for making time on your Sunday. Um, thank you for having us. Really appreciate it. And we'll be back next week with uh, Peter Beppergirl talking about appendix and more about Appendix N and classic literature. And we hope that you'll join us next week for another thought-provoking discussion. <laughs> we'll see you then. <laughs>